Hello, everybody. This is Chris Ferraro here, host of Boston Sports' official podcast, the Boston Big Rings Podcast. Like I said, I'm your host, Chris, here. And man, oh man, what a time it is to be a Boston sports fan. Am I right? It's been crazy these last couple of weeks. Playoffs are revving up here for the Bruins and Celtics. Red Sox are in full swing. And the Patriot offseason has never been bigger. But in this third episode here of the Boston Big Rings podcast, I just want to address that our Boston Bruins and Boston Celtics are moving on to their respectively next rounds. They're both heading to the semifinals of their Eastern Conference semifinals, right? In a very exciting first round, I must say. Very encouraging first round for both teams. You know, I don't want to get into the Red Sox today, so we're going to focus on the accomplishments of the Boston Bruins and the Boston Celtics, and we look ahead to see what and who is waiting for both of those teams as both the Bruins and the Celtics are trying to win championships and complete the sweep this year for Boston championships. So I want to dive in first and talk about the Bruins here. Um, But before I do that, if you're listening to this podcast episode, follow me on Twitter, Boston Big Rings Podcast. I'm also the, the same title on Instagram, Boston Big Rings Podcast. Just give me a follow. And there you'll be able to see all the updated news regarding your favorite teams here in Boston. Now let's jump right into it, right? Let's talk about the Bruins first. They just finished up their series last night with Toronto, beating the Toronto Maple Leafs 5-1 to one in a clinching Game 7 here. And the Bruins are now moving on to the Eastern Conference semifinals where they will play the Columbus Blue Jackets. But to recap the series with the Bruins and Maple Leafs going into it, we knew both teams were very good, very similar talent-wise. And out of all the playoff series, a lot of people going into this series between the Bruins and the Maple Leafs thought that this would be a 50-50 series and going to seven games. I was one of those people. I thought both teams were even on paper and this would go the distance. And going seven games. And behold, the Bruins and Maple Leafs together go seven games. Bruins showed a lot of grit and balls. You know, there were some parts of the series where Toronto just seemed to be the better team. They were out skating the Bruins. You know, they were they just seemed to be the better team at times. But the Bruins showed balls and won games when they needed to. Some of the games I'd like to highlight was game, were Game 6 and Game 7. Losing a tough Game 5 at the TD Garden where, honestly, to put it quite frankly, the team didn't show up until the last minute as far as they were trying to be too cute, thinking too much, and it came back to bite them. They lost Game 5 at the TD Garden 2-1, to one, and Toronto went up in that series three games to two. The Bruins knew what they had to do. They had to steal two games to move on to the next round, including having to win game six in Toronto. Game six, Bruins 
were not ready to fold as they played some of their best hockey in game six. They got a major contribution from Brad Marchand and winning a must, I must say, it was a must-win game for the Boston Bruins, and they did. They go and they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs 4-2 in Game 6, forcing a Game 7. Now, these teams are both very familiar playing against each other in seven games. Since 2013, they have met three times in the first round, going seven games. And all three of those games played in Boston. Now, if you remember Boston sports fans, 2013 was that miraculous comeback down by three goals in the third period, coming back to tie it, and then winning that game in overtime, the Patrice Bergeron goal. And then last year, Toronto up 4-3 to three in the third period, ended up winning the game. The Bruins ended up winning that game 7-4. to four. This year... You know, Toronto and their fans are thinking, all right, here we go again. Same, or new year, same story. As they were trying to fight off the demons that were haunting them when facing the Bruins in a seven-game series. And for the first period, as far as the first period goes in the seventh game, the Bruins got a lot of contribution from the fourth line. The fourth line and the third line were huge in this set, in this game seven. As you didn't really get that much from the first line, besides the goal from Bergeron, but that was an empty netter late, late at the game. It kind of, the team kind of got started when Nordstrom put in the first goal for the Bruins. And it was a very easy, it should have been saved by Anderson. I mean, he Anderson just showed an inch of space right in between his pads. And Nordstrom just was able to find the crevice. And he was able to put one in the net, giving the Bruins a one nothing lead. I mean, being able to score first in the game seven is huge just for momentum. and setting the tone early, which they did. A few minutes later, and also in that first period, it was a defensive breakdown by the Maple Leafs. And Marcus Johansson acquired at the trade deadline for the Boston Bruins. Someone who's on the third line, more of a role player, a skilled role player. He was able to get a goal, too, by beating Anderson. And that was huge. The Bruins went up 2 to nothing. They went up 2 to nothing here in the first period. Really setting the tone. Really establishing themselves as well. But you can see the table starting to turn. You can see the momentum shift a little bit. John Tavares gets a big goal for the Toronto Maple Leafs, cutting the lead to two to one. And then right after, you know, Toronto was absolutely flying up and down the ice in that second period. They were playing in full desperation mode. Pedal was down to the fucking metal. And Toronto was literally throwing the kitchen sink at Tuka Rask. But Tuka Rask made some incredible saves to keep the momentum on our side and keep the lead going into the final period in the third. It was 2-1 to one going into the, the final period. It was a monster performance by Tuca. Uh, as I, I must say, in going into elimination games, I was a little skeptic about Tuca Rask, given his history before 
seem to be a little shaky in these clinching games or in and must-win games for the Bruins. But he really proved himself to be an elite goalie. Um, he really deserves the MVP for this Game 7. But but it was 2-1 to one going into the final period. And, you know, Toronto really needed needed to get the first goal of the third to tie the game. Playing behind is, is really hard to do, especially in a Game 7. And the Bruins made sure of that because... Uh, Corrali for the Bruins made this beautiful play where he just dekes around three Toronto Maple Leafs and he's able to snipe one right above the shoulder of Frederick Anderson who really didn't have any answers in this game. The defense for Toronto just seemed to have no answers for this fourth line for the Bruins. I mean, Corrali, Sean Corrali, he was injured and... You know, he comes back, he had an assist in game six, and then, you know, he had a goal last night. You know, just those little role players that jolt your your line. Really, it really structured the fourth line, too, because you have now Noel Achari playing right wing, you have Corrali back at center, and now it seems that all four lines are fully uh, in sync, and they're loaded right now to make a deep playoff run. But Corrali's goal was monumental and absolutely huge for the Boston Bruins as that really kind of took the air out of Toronto's sails. Toronto really, they did try to score, but the pressure wasn't there. The Bruins were doing a really good job playing physical getting in the passing lanes, and Tuca standing on his head sometimes, making some incredible saves. The Bruins are, once again, beat Toronto in a Game 7. Because the Bruins, Charlie Coyle and Patrice Bergeron scored empty nutters at the end of the game to make it 5-1. to one. But don't let the score perceive you. This, this game was a lot closer than it looked. But the Bruins showed some balls when their backs were up against the wall. And Toronto was just being Toronto. You know, they, they found a way to lose again. And I know Toronto has a good young core. You know, Mike Babcock is a really good hockey coach for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And hats off to them. But if you're Mike Babcock, how, do you, how can you explain... How can you explain that you only play your best player, Austin Matthews, for five minutes in the third period. Five minutes. When you need to get back and you need to generate offense and score, you only have Austin Matthews out there for five minutes in the third period. That made no sense to me. And Toronto, while they have great forwards and they're fast and they're skilled in the end, what I ha- what I predicted was going to be the the factor for Toronto, their, and their biggest problem was defense, and there were plenty of defensive breakdowns in Game Seven for Toronto, right on cue. And Toronto is sent back packing. Also, all the Canadian teams were eliminated in the first round, which I thought was uh, a slap in the face to Canada. And if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan 
I mean, it's one of the hardest things because, I mean, yeah, you guys created the sport. You know, you're you are the original team in hockey, but and oh man, it's just been hard for you guys. You guys haven't won a championship in decades, and it seems to be the the same story every year for the Maple Leafs. Great regular season, great young skill players, but just can't get over the hump. Just can't get over the hump, and they always be, seem to find a way to, you know, sort of beat themselves in critical games in the playoffs year after year. So this was a great win by the Boston Bruins, without a doubt. And now they're going to be moving on to the Eastern Conference semifinals here in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're actually playing tomorrow, so they don't really have a, a lot of time to catch a breather here, which I think is a, an advantage because Columbus, they sw- I mean, they're playing the Columbus Blue Jackets, right? They, they are essentially the eighth seed. They are the lowest seed in the playoffs here. They just completed one of the most embarrassing upsets in sports history, let alone the NHL history, for a team that was as explosive and as amazing as Tampa Bay was. For for those that are not familiar, Tampa Bay was essentially the Golden State Warriors of hockey. Stacked from top to bottom on all lines. Incredible depth, incredible goaltending, President Trophy winning team. They looked to be, on paper, the best team going into the NHL playoffs, and they should have been. They had the most points, and, and you know, they had the best forward in Kucherov, and, you know, they still had Stamkos, and you still have that young core, and, and they fall flat on their face. And I mean fall flat on their face. They lost so bad. They didn't even win a single game. Heck, the only time that they led in this series was in the first period of game one. And in that game, you scored three in the first, and then you blow a three-goal lead, and you lose four to three. Columbus came in and just absolutely slammed the hammer down and absolutely sucker-punching Tampa Bay and their fan base as... What most people predicted them to go to the Stanley Cup, they don't even get to celebrate one playoff win. Columbus did the unthinkable and swept the best team in hockey, and now they're facing the Boston Bruins. You know, Columbus is a very, very dangerous team for the Boston Bruins right now. Despite them being the A seed, they have the confidence to beat just about anybody now if they swept the best team in hockey. They they have a great, great core led by a very experienced coach in John Tortorella. You know, they got they have a combination of speed, size, they can play skilled, they can play physical and chippy, they can kind of do both. In fact, a lot of people will say that Columbus shares a similar hockey style with the Boston Bruins. I mean, you want to start by looking at their dangerous forwards. You know, they have Duchesne, they have Panarin, Atkinson, Bjorkstrand. All of those guys have been so dangerous. 
uh, Matt Duchesne has three goals at least the Columbus Blue Jackets right now in goals. And you saw what they did to Tampa Bay. They were scoring goals at will. And essentially beating Tampa at their own game. Who also, Tampa, who also has had one of the best defenses and goalie combination going into the playoffs. I also said that they, you know, they play physical. And they have a great young defensive core, too, that they've done a great job over the last few years in the rebuild. Adding gritty physical hockey players on the defensive side that can cause problems for any number one line. You know, they have Jones, they have Savard, Murray, Wierenski. You know, those those four players alone, you know, that those defensive cores will be able to put up a fight against the Marsham, Bergeron, Pasta line, Krejci, DeBrusque, um, et cetera. You know, those, those top six forwards for the Bruins are going to have problems for the top four defensive line for um, Columbus. And then lastly, the Columbus Blue Jackets have a very underrated goalie. They have a very underrated goalie, everybody. Um, Sergei Bobrovsky. Sergei Bobrovsky, you know, was a goalie that had a lot of promise and then kind of hit rock bottom the last couple years. But he's now resurged and ready to make a deep playoff run for the Blue Jackets. He's one of those prototypical big body goaltenders who uses his size to make majority of his saves. He does lack rebound control. But as far as a lockdown goalie when Barbrovsky gets hot, he's one of the most elite goalies in the NHL. So he has the ability to go into an opposing arena and shut you down and steal a game for the um, for the Columbus Blue Jackets. He let up eight goals in four games, including two games. So he let up two games where he had three goals allowed, and then he had two games where he let up one goal against Tampa. So he's been, you know, on and off. But he was going up against the best offense in the NHL. So to, to give up only eight goals and be a factor winning that series will be a tough match for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And they're obviously coached by John Tortorella, who has won a Stanley Cup coaching the Tampa Bay Lightning. But he also has experience with deep playoff runs with the New York Rangers, too. So he knows what it takes. He has the playoff experience to be able to direct this young core um, into the playoffs. And, you know, he, Tortorella has plenty of experience going against the Bruins. So this will be another, uh, another rodeo for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And they play very similar style to the Bruins. Um, they, they, they can play physical. They play chippy. You know, they block a lot of shots, they sacrifice the body a lot, and they get in the passing lane. So for the Bruins to win this series, you gotta be patient. You gotta be able to 
take control of the series. You got to be able to take control of the game. And for the Bruins, you know, you got to be able to play physical hockey and skilled hockey. Carry on what you did against Toronto in game six and seven, the way that you played. If you can get contributions from all four of the lines, the Bruins will be in great they will be in great shape to win this series against Columbus. I know Columbus is hot. They came in, they swept Tampa. But if you're the Boston Bruins, you have one of the easiest paths to get to the Stanley Cup. All the division winners in the NHL playoffs eliminated. The Capitals are playing game seven against Carolina. If Carolina can pull that off and beat the Washington Capitals, it's it's the Bruins Stanley Cup for the taking. Going into the playoffs, the one team that really worried me to, to get over that hump and beat was Tampa. But with Columbus doing the work for us, it's, it's right there for the taking for the Bruins. And they got to continue what they were doing against Toronto in games six and seven. And they got to use that momentum and play Columbus. I, now, here's why I think this is good for the Bruins that they went seven games. Their legs are still fresh from game seven. And what I mean by that is Columbus has had the last few days to rest. Plus, they're traveling to Boston to play the first two games. The Bruins are just fresh off of a game. So they will they will have the legs, you know, and, and I think that they match up very well with what Columbus does. Looking at the regular season, the Bruins played the Columbus Blue Jackets three times, and they went two and one. They played the Columbus Blue Jackets three times from March 12th to April 2nd. Blue Jackets won the first game 7-4. Bruins won the second game 2-1 in overtime. And then the Bruins won the third game 6-2. Two of those three games were at Columbus, too. So, you know, if you're the Boston Bruins, here's how you have to approach this, this series. You know how good you can be at home. But the question is, can you continue to win games on the road? Because that's how championship teams are made. The ability to win games on the road. Like I said, I think the Bruins match up very well with the Columbus Blue Jackets. And although this will be a tough fight, I do see the Bruins winning this series. And if I had to put a number on the amount of games it will take, I'm my prediction right now is that the Bruins will beat out the, the Columbus Blue Jackets in six games winning it out four games to two and closing out the series in Columbus. Then at that point, the Bruins would head out to the Eastern Conference Finals, one more series away from the Stanley Cup, and they would play the winners of the Islanders versus either the Capitals or Hurricanes. If you're a Boston sports fan, you should be so excited about the Bruins right now. They showed a lot of grit and resilience, beating a very good Toronto team. And now they have the momentum going to the second round and playing a tough Columbus Blue Jackets team. If you follow this, the Boston Big Rings podcast, you will be getting daily updates as that series will start. So that was the Boston Bruins and great, great series win by the the Bees. Nothing better than seven games in 
a hockey playoff. There's nothing better. Now we're going to transition to the basketball court. We're going to talk some Celtics here. The Celtics looked very good in the first round against Indiana. I know Indiana didn't have their star player in Victor Oladipo, but nonetheless, Indiana still is a very good defensive team that plays as a team. They have unity. They still got some good players, too, that can score. Tyreek Evans, Wesley Matthews, Sabonis, Thaddeus Young, Darren Collison. Like, that team could still put up a fight and win a playoff series. But the Celtics did not mess around as they took control of the series from the get-go. Sweeping the Indiana Pacers four games to none and moving on to the Eastern Conference semifinals where, where they will take on the NBA's best, Milwaukee Bucks. This series was great for the Celtics, too, because it was a grinded-out series, a defensive effort, strong defensive effort by the Boston Celtics, and where they showed a lot of grit and resilience, too, coming from behind and winning some of those games in, in the playoff series as well. Not only did Kyrie show flashes of playoff Kyrie and and why he should be the number one player for the Celtics moving forward. But you got contributions at different points of the series from your role players. Gordon Hayward looks like he's coming back to being his old self. Every week, we see Gordon Hayward getting better and better. He had a very good game four. Jason Tatum, who's shown flashes in this series, of playoff Jason Tatum from last year as he has the ability to take over games when he wants to. He was absolutely exposing the Indiana Pacers um, with the iso ball. Jalen Brown, who also, with Hayward and Tatum, showed flashes of playoff Jalen Brown from last year. as He had some games where he was absolutely on fire and showed that, you know, without Marcus Smart there, maybe moving forward you have Jalen Brown starting because he's shown if you put him there in the starting rotation, he can ball. And I think Brad Stevens, needs, moving forward, needs to, once Marcus Smart is ready to play, keep him on the bench and start Jalen Brown. And lastly, we've even had support from the role players including Marcus Morris and Al Horford. Both big men have been spreading the ball out with their ability of the jump shot and also have been playing very good defense on the other side of the floor. Their next opponent, though, it's not easy. In fact, this is one of the most challenging teams Celtics will have to face as it's the best team in the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks who under a new coach, Mike Budenholzer, finished an NBA best 60-22. and 22. First place in the Eastern Conference. They sort of ran away with it towards the end of the season. Conducted by Giannis Antetokounmpo, who had an MVP season, to say the least. Now, when it's all said and done, it's going to come down to him or James Harden for the MVP. But if you're the Bucks, 
you're so blessed to be able to have an elite player as far as Giannis Antetokounmpo. This is why it's going to be hard to stop Giannis. I know the, the Celtics had success last year, but this is a more evolved Bucks team. I think Giannis is head over heels better than he was last year, as he's a, an absolute force and can score almost at will if you let him too close to the paint. Now here's the problem that the Celtics face. If the Celtics plan on stopping Giannis, you're going to have to build a wall in the paint, making it hard for him to finish. And if you do that, the Bucks have surrounded Giannis with elite shooters around him. Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, DJ Wilson, Ilya Sova, etc. Guys who can spread the floor so when the defense collapses and tries to stop Giannis, there's a wide open jump shot from the outside. And that's been the bread and butter for the Milwaukee Bucks as they take so many threes. In fact, they take just as much threes as the Houston Rockets did this year to put in perspective of how their offense flows. It's not going to be an easy task for the Celtics. You know, the Bucks have a really good bench too. Miritich, Snell, Brown, etc. It's going to be a big test for the Boston Celtics here. Now, if you're the Boston Celtics, though, I know I said a lot about good things about the Bucks, but I think the Celtics have a really good shot of upsetting Milwaukee, and here's why. If you look at the season series, it was hard fought, and you can make the argument that it was very even. The three times that they played, Boston won the first game 117-113, to Milwaukee won the second game 120-107, to and then the third game, Milwaukee just barely squeezed out a win, 98-97. to 97. So it's not like the Milwaukee Bucks have absolutely blown out the Celtics and have been the Celtics' kryptonite. I think the Celtics actually can match up very well with what Milwaukee tries to do. The Celtics are one of the best teams in the NBA defending the three and can put up a serious fight with Giannis. Now, if I'm the Boston Celtics, you have to figure out who's going to be put on Giannis. And you might see Brown on Giannis, Tatum on Giannis, Horford on Giannis. But the key is going to be trying to slow down the the Milwaukee Bucks and keep Giannis away from the basket. Now, I know that's easier said than done, but being able to limit Milwaukee's transitions, limiting turnovers... And scoring on every open opportunity that you can will be the huge factor for the Boston Celtics as they try to face this Milwaukee Bucks team. Now, going into the season, the Celtics, the Raptors, and the Bucks, and the Sixers were all the favorites to be the last four teams in the Eastern Conference. And with no surprise, Those are the last four teams here in the Eastern Conference. But it's not as landslide or it's not as as different as you may think. It's not as different as you may think. 
the Celtics can match up really well with what the the Bucks can do. And the key for the Celtics is continuing to be able to win road games. Yeah, I know that the Celtics beat the Bucks last year, but it took them seven games. And if you remember, the Celtics lost every single game in Milwaukee, and it took home court advantage to close out that series last year. The Celtics don't have the luxury of home court advantage anymore. And in fact, they haven't had to start out a series on the road since 2016. If you're the Boston Celtics, being able to steal one of the first two games will be absolutely crucial for the Celtics. Absolutely crucial. You got to win road games this year. And now the intensity turns up even more. I think Kyrie personally is the the best scorer and closer on the court, but Giannis is clearly the best player. I like how the Celtics match up, and I have the Celtics winning in seven games, four to three. Kyrie, you're in the driver's seat now. This is your team. This is what you signed up for. For big moments like this, you wanted to prove that you were a franchise player and that could lead a team? Show us, Kyrie. This is the biggest example for you right now. The biggest test for you right now. Going up the, against the number one seed, a 60-win team. Show us what you got, Kyrie. Show us what you got. That series will start... This week, the end of this week or this weekend. But I'm very excited to see how the Celtics will fight against the Milwaukee Bucks here. Now, follow the Boston Big Rings podcast for coverage of the NHL and the NBA playoffs. I will be tweeting. I will be continuing to make podcast episodes. I will be on Twitch as well, making videos. So... You know, follow me on social media, and let's keep this this amazing podcast going. Um, third episode's in the books, and there's a whole lot to talk about. I will be posting a Red Sox podcast episode as soon once they, you know, get together. Um, but we have the NFL draft coming up right around the corner, so I will be here making a live episode covering the NFL draft, who the Patriots should go after. And how, and based on this year's draft, what direction are the Patriots going after the Brady-Belichick era? But stay tuned for more episodes here of the Boston Big Rings podcast. Thank you all for listening. Keep rocking the Boston sports wherever you are in this world. Because it's one of the greatest sports cities on the planet. Big win for the Celtics. Big win for the Bruins. Now they face the test moving on to the second round. Let's go!